Number one, the God, there, there is a God who, here's the assertion of the scripture, that precedes the physical universe. And it couldn't be any more simple than the first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The idea that there was a God before the creation of physical matter that existed. That's the way our Bibles introduce us to God, at least in the literary expression of God in Genesis. And so we need to think through what the Bible says, that God is not uh, part and parcel of his universe. We are not pantheists. We don't believe that God is the totality of the created universe. We believe that God is separate from preceding the creation of the universe. In the beginning, God created these things. They're external to him. John 1, 3, without him, speaking of the agency of creation in this case, Christ himself, who has all the authority and creative power of God the Father, but God chose, God the Father chose through his Son to create the world, and without him, there was not anything made that was made. And of course, the receptor here, the reader of this, and even the human author, John, is recognizing the physical universe, the things that we see around us, and even the invisible things, the thrones, dominions, powers, all the things that Paul talks about in the spiritual realm. Everything that was not God was made by God. And as we saw in the description and discussion we had about God and his creation, we recognize that the builder of all things Again, the context, the idea is the things that we see, right? Every house is made by someone, and the builder of all things, Hebrews 3, 4, is God. So just to start with the idea, when we talk to people about the miraculous, is we believe that there's a God that is transcendent, we would say. He's not part and parcel of the creation. He is separate from the creation. He precedes the creation, and he created everything that is, everything that is not him, there is a God, number two, who we believe, because the Bible says it so clearly, he actively upholds creation. There are religious thought, uh, religious forms of thought that would say that God is not active in creation, that he does not uphold creation, that he's not a part of creation. Uh, you might think of the deists who see God as the great watchmaker who winds everything up in the universe and then steps away from it. And while he is away from it in the sense that he is other in that, in that sense, and we can see statements about God coming down to see what they were building in the Tower of Babel, there's that sense of, of distance only in his separateness from his creation, the transcendence of his creation. We understand that he is actively involved in creation. Nehemiah 9.6, you've made the earth, you made the heavens, you made the stars, you made everything, and you preserve all of them. You keep them going. You sustain them. Hebrews 1.3, speaking specifically with the second person of the Godhead, he upholds the universe by the word of, the, of, of his power. Christ is much like the agent of creation speaking things into existence. He is also speaking the sustaining of the existing universe. He keeps it under his control, even by his ongoing will, that he wills it to be. Acts 17.25, he gives to all mankind, Paul says, on the, uh, what we call Mars Hill, the Areopagus, as I often say when we talk about this great passage, the university professors of Athens, the intellectual center of the world at that particular point, he says to them, this God that everyone is trying to worship, uh, or at least some expression of, of what they believe God to be through the idols in Athens, he says, there's one God, he's created the world, and he gives, present tense, to all mankind, life and breath and everything. He's actively involved in creation. 
So there is a God who exists prior to creation. There is a God who is actively upholding creation. And number three, he can and he has intervened in creation. And we're starting to get to our logical definition of what the miraculous is. He can, he has that ability, he is separate from creation and he can get involved. He can intervene. As Job 23 in the broadest possible sense, verse 13 says, who can turn God back? What he desires, that he does. And if God wanted to get involved in anything that he makes, he certainly can. And in biblical history, he has. First Chronicles 16, 12, the Bible says, remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles. He's stepped into time and space in various places throughout the Bible. We'll look at a few tonight. And the claim is that he has involved himself as the omnipotent, sustained one, the eternal one, can get involved in the temporal, finite creation that he's made. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4, God, in doing certain things, and we'll look at this in more detail, in very specific situations for very specific reasons, has borne witness to certain things. In that case, the salvation that he's declared through Christ and the apostles, he attested to it. He bore witness to it by signs and wonders and various miracles. And I know we're working toward a definition here, and we'll get there. But there's some things we need to know about the fact that God is presupposed in Scripture as existing outside of creation, prior to creation, that he's involved in creation. He hasn't walked away from creation. He's aware. He's omnipotent. He is omniscient. He is then at various times involving himself in creation. God also has created, we would say, here's setting us up for what the Bible says about the miraculous, has created a natural order. At least that's what we call it. And there's a lot of debate as to how we define that, both philosophically and theologically, but we're saying there's a way that we observe things to happen, and they happen that way. And I put it this way, God has encoded the physical world to work according to a set of habitual rules, a habit of things, the way that things work. And he's created those laws. That's why we can have something called science, which is observing those patterns that God has made. And as it has famously been said, we're just thinking his thoughts after him. We are learning the pattern of God working in his creation as an orderly God who set up a set of rules and carried those out. Very simply, here's one example of many just out of the first chapter of Genesis that God said, let the earth sprout vegetation as though it's a thing, right? It's almost personified here. Let it sprout vegetation. It's as though now it's at work because he's encoded it with a set of rules and these plants are now going to do something. They're going to sprout. Here's another verb. They're going to yield seed. So they have within them this encoded set of information to do things like fruit trees bearing fruit, which is their seed, each according to its kind. So they follow a particular pattern of rules on the earth, and it was so. So God has made a decision to set up the physical universe with encoded data and information that is then going to function according to those rules. And you can go through the whole first chapter and so much more in the early part of the Bible to talk about God expressing that order in the things that he's made and we can see it all the way down in this horticultural example. You can see it in a zoological example of the animals, all according to their kind. It's orderly. It's according to rules. And God makes his universe work that way, so much so that we can say that the earth sprouts vegetation. More on that in a minute. So God has encoded 
this natural order to work according to rules. Job 28, I had another passage here. And he gave to the wind its weight, so it's, it's substance and what it is, and he's apportioned the waters by measure. And when he had made a decree for rain and a way for lightning of thunder, then he saw and declared it, he established it. So God has set up the functioning of hydration, of photosynthesis, of biological reproduction. These are the things that God has made all the way down to trees bearing fruit and their seed and in them producing a whole other cycle of crop. All of this according to how God has set it up. Even the weather patterns as it refers to in this passage. God, the Bible says, now we got to carefully think this through, says he empowers that. If he's holding all things together by the word of his power, and we're saying that God is not only transcendent, but he's imminent, he's involved, he's involved in what's happening within the rules of nature, as we want to call it nature, this pattern, this observable pattern of rules, then we're saying that the Bible is clear, and I know this is an analogy I'm going to take you to first, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, just to get to that horticultural example from Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, he's talking now about evangelism, and he says, I planted, here's the analogy, he's just showing the parallel here, Apollos watered, he came in and preached and did more, I gave you the gospel, he elaborated and gave you more biblical truth, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Now, while Genesis 1.11 says the earth sprouts its vegetation, the Bible says that God, at least by way one step removed in this analogy, is giving the growth to the earth to allow this to happen. And as I often say, just in passing from the platform in a sermon, if God were to withdraw his active supervision of the universe, right, my theology would say, because the scripture reveals this, that it wouldn't function, it would implode, it would, it would not exist. God has to actively will upholding everything by the word of his power. All things in Christ hold together. They consist in Christ, to quote Colossians. So the idea here is that God is the one who's working within the rules of nature to make them function. As he puts it in this parable in Mark chapter 4, verses 27 and 28, the seed sprouts and grows. Speaking of the farmer here, he puts the seed in the ground. He knows not how. And the idea here is even if you were to understand it to the extent that we may understand it today, and we may understand it even better tomorrow in terms of the modern era, we recognize there's a principle at work within that physical universe that is not known. The earth produces, here's what it's saying, at least in the mind of the farmer, by itself. I just plant it, I put it in the ground, I water it, and then it happens. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear, and then he goes on to talk about the kingdom. And this is the example of the growth of the kingdom. But the idea that I'm trying to represent both in to the Corinthians and here in Jesus' teaching is that God is at work within the physical world, though there's a set of rules encoded to make it work. And we sit back and say, we know the rules. We know if we drop a, a pin, it's going to hit the ground. And, and, and we may study to figure out how that works, but there's something about the way that God does that as he's actively involved in it that is making it happen. And the example is making things grow. Without God's active involvement, it doesn't take place. 